This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is a podcast about soggy bottoms and good bakes. On your mark. Get set. Bake. Bake. <laughs> We're never going to get it together. <laughs> well, I just have to say, the second this episode started, all I could think was, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm laughing like mad, just not, I'm not joking around. I just, the second it started, I was like, oh, no. I feel like the opening skit was definitely the worst. And some of Matt and Noel's skits throughout were like, a couple of them were kind of rude. A few of them were just like a little bit tasteless. But I have to say, I can't really fault the bakers for like not being able to speak Spanish. Sure. Sure. Yes. I. But I think it's up to the show, the showrunners to say, we're going to do justice for an entire culture by yeah. presenting bakers with a dish that they could maybe be familiar enough with to not have an entire audience be like, you are completely crapping all over our heritage. The national like, dish, that's dish kinda, in Mexico. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. I was like, I don't know. I just felt like. Okay. So it's it's Mexican week. Let's back up. Yeah. <laughs> I felt real bad about it from the get-go. I was like, this does not feel good. I am wondering, though, because we are Americans who have a – and we live in Colorado where there is a real focus on not appropriating Mexican culture. I wonder if we would have thought that same thing about last year when they did German Week or the year before when they did – Japanese. Yeah, Japanese Week. Like, I have to wonder, you know, like, did – is that – how German week felt to Germans and Japanese week felt to Japanese people. But because we more are in a, in a part of the country and part of the world where we look out for Mexican cultural appropriation, did, were we just more sensitive to it this time? I'm not saying that it, that makes it right. Right, 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 right. But I think it's like, like this. Yeah. I think it's like an, a lesson, maybe doing away with country themed weeks. I mean, I know they did the German last year. They did German week. It played well, but I think because a good number of the contestants were, were German. German. That's true. And it's a European nation, which is a like, okay, home, it's but I wonder a little about closer Japanese home. Like, was that- well, and, but, and then I think back and I'm like, I kind of feel like that was a miss because we were doing the show on our part to even, I don't remember looking at the responses from no, that week, right. but I do know kind of looking at some of the articles that were written about this week's episode, that show, Japanese Week, had no actual Japanese desserts. Mostly they made dishes that were commonly found in Chinese cooking. And then like sort of dress them up in Japanese. Yeah. And so it was, that was really poorly done as well. So I think the lesson here is as we're watching this is I'm like, oh, this is just all wrong. They completely (laughs) missed the mark. They maybe had, what is that saying? Like good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. (laughs) Sure. Yep. So that's where that's where we stand. I'm just going to say that from the get is it was uh, it was a miss. Yep. Yeah, one of the opening lines was, "Yeah, what what is Mexican baking?" which I have to agree like some of the questions I think were were valid. Like what like what do you think about Mexican baking? What do you think about, Joy? When I think of Mexican baking, I think of the Trace Liches cake. Yeah, I mean I like I think that Mexico is known for so much food but not really for baked goods, at least like outside of Mexico, I guess. Um, I mean, I definitely think of the pandulces, but I and I was, I w- was like praying that the technical was going to be a chaco flan, which is mm. where you have this amazing. You said that last cake week too, with a flan yeah. sitting on top, and it's so hard to make. It would that would have been the perfect technical. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to the technical in a minute. 
Okay. Yeah. Or like sweet empanadas. I think of that too. Sure. Empanadas. Empanadas are um, a little more South American, but yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. The signature bake, first of all, Rebs and Abdul are back. We're back to a full cast. The signature bake is 12 individual pandulces. A pandulce is basically just the word for like the Mexican word for pastry or it, I mean, it means sweet bread, but it's sort of like the Mexican word for pastry. So you're really open up to a huge range of different types of actually, I mean, pastry is a bad example because it's not laminated, but like it's in the same way that like pastry is a category of baked goods. Pandulce is a category of baked goods. It doesn't refer to just like one thing. They're yeasted dough. They're looking for 12 that are identical. There are lots of varieties of this, but it's an enriched dough that they need to get rising as quick as possible. They want it to be vibrant, colorful, and flavorful. There is a really popular style of this called a concha, which is basically like a sweet yeasted, imagine like a dinner roll kind of that's really sweet. And sometimes it has filling, sometimes it doesn't. And then on the top, it has this crackly, I mean, the way that they describe it is it's sort of like a cookie baked on top, but it's supposed to give it like a nice little bit of crunchy texture. And then as the roll rises, it sort of breaks apart into this craggy, almost looks like kind of lava-y, you know, like really cool texture on top. So a lot of people are making that, including first up is Yanush, who's making conscious decorated as cacti, which I love. He's going to have a sweet enriched roll with a crunchy topping with coconut bread and a lime crunch. His are even, nicely brown, but they're dry. Needs more lime. They would like to see it more open, not very flavorful. I'm going to be honest, you guys, people, this is a tough challenge for folks. Like Very tough. Nobody really nails it. No. I mean, I, let me go ahead and say that. I don't think anyone nails anything in the show, but right. <laughs> um, Shabira is making corn on the cob conchas. Corn. She like goes real hard in the paint with corn in this in this episode. She sure does, which I appreciate yeah. because corn is like you know. I think that you don't necessarily think about baking with corn, but I appreciate that she actually took something from Mexico culture and like really hung her hat on it and was like, I'm doing corn. <laughs> like I'm going with this. But I also, yeah. Yeah. I could also say a lot about how it's it feels like they just Googled a lot of things where I'm For like, sure. are you I, I Googling also, things? Yeah. Are you really just like aware of the deep knowledge of culture that does not exist on the Google? Yeah. I mean, I, you know? I agree with you that like it's up to the show to make sure that they have the knowledge that they need. I also think- for the sake of this episode, we can't ask ourselves that question over every single recipe. And we have to like the bakers. I, I want to give the bakers the benefit of the doubt. And we can like, let's put the blame on the show. Yeah. The bakers, yeah, yeah. I feel like, did what they could with what they had. It doesn't feel right. like any of them set out to be like, I'm going to make fun of Mexico this week. Right. But then it, by also doing this, it reveals how much they didn't know. For sure. Which I, but I also don't think that like, is it, <sighs> is it your responsibility, Joy, to like have a deep knowledge of Mexico in order to come on the show? Correct. And if I was a participant in the show, would I be sitting there cringing going, ah, I don't know. Apparently not. There's a part of me that's like, does anyone speak up on the show that like maybe behind the scenes would they have been like, this doesn't feel right, guys. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, corn Ta- tons crunches. of tangents of feelings on this one. <laughs> they are going to have a corn and coconut custard filling. They look amazing. She makes them look like little corn on the cobs and she like kind of lays them out like a little corn harvest. Great flavor, but they're dry. Honestly, she didn't do that well, I feel like, for what she tried to achieve. James describes his as a wee concha number. A wee. Wee concha number. What was the little... He said a wee little when he was making the little shells. A wee little shell. A wee oyster. He said, yeah, yeah. yes. He was oysters. so cute. This He's one was really pie. cute. Yeah, it was. Cutie pie. His is going to be vanilla cinnamon coffee with chocolate on top. And then he's making these really cute little sugar 
like oyster shells, like little, like they look like little Pac-Man and then he's making little pearls, edible pearls to go inside, which I think is so cute. I feel like anytime someone does sugar work, especially when they make use those little molds, there's always the risk that it's just going to go to hell. And normally yeah. it does, frankly, but his really turn mm-hmm. out. Yeah. He did um, but they think they're crackling. It's the crackling on top is too thick. The oyster looks great, but it's dense with and it doesn't have enough flavor. Abdul is making coconut and raspberry with apricots inside and white chocolate buttercream. They look like little snowballs. He basically takes like the colors of the Mexican flag, puts it in like sprinkles effectively, and then rolls them in sprinkles. So they look like little Debbie snowballs, but like Mexican flag colored. Mm-hmm. I personally don't love the look of them, but the judges think they're very cute. Um, but they're too cakey. They're too dense. Not quite right says Prue. Sandro is making a salted caramel and coffee concha with praline custard filling and a hazelnut crunch. They look great, great flavor, but they're hugely underproved. Again, people are not nailing this. Rebs is making vanilla and lemon conchas with lemon curd on the side. She somehow burns them. Somebody get Rebs a timer. Please. And she, in this episode, you'll see, she like writes down her timing and still fails it. (laughs) Still fails the timing. So Rebs not feeling you this week. No. I'm thinking last week really was a savior for you to just buy one more week on this Uh show. They look awful. They say it it looks like you sat on them. (laughs) Uh, The lemon is good, but the crackling is too heavy. The bread is okay. Carol is making an anise and orange pandanese, and they're uneven. They're not the right shape. They're a lovely flavor, but they're underproved. The taste is great. She's kind of one of the people who actually has a good flavor, but they're all different sizes. Maxi is making a Bella Naranja, which they're like, that means sweet or, or beautiful orange. I'm like, it's, that's definitely not what it means. I got so distracted <laughs> in this. Bella is French. <laughs> I mean, it's also, you know, but right. using, using it like that. Is, and I, was, I got so distracted during that that I had to like rewind because I missed it. I was like, that's definitely not what that means. They're orange and cinnamon with crispy topping and cinnamon chantilly on the side. They look good. Good flavor. Well baked. She does pretty well, actually. Hers... She does really well, especially compared to everybody else. I wouldn't say she nails it, but she doesn't get any negative feedback. Dawn, hers are conscious with a kick. Chocolate and chili with green and red crackling topping. They're overbaked, messy, but the chili and chocolate combination is perfect. It's a good texture, but too messy. And then Kevin is making Mexican borrachitos with rum and coconut borrachitos are like, translates like little drunk people. They're a little underproved, but they're good flavor. I think he does. He has one of the best as well. So coming out of this, I think at the top, we have Maxi who's like head and shoulders above everyone else. And then Kevin. At the bottom, definitely Abdul, Rebs. But honestly, everyone did pretty bad here. Right. I wasn't feeling anybody in this Mm -hmm. one. Nobody was blown away. I also feel, as a side note for all of this, Paul and Prue are not experts in Mexican baking. So there's a part of me, it's like, but how do you know? I guess in general, yes. A bake, you know, in general, what's supposed to taste like, or the texture, the density, whatever. But there's a part of me that's like, when they start talking about things like, oh, you know, in Mexico, we want to see a lot of color. And it's like, really? Is that all you got? Like, just colorful things? Like, it just, all of it was just very basic. That's what it is. Basic understanding is how it felt. And I will say, like, Abdul at one point was like, you know, I was doing, he was talking about his, and he actually does say, I was researching these, I was trying to look up exactly what they're supposed to be like, you wanted to be a little more dense, and Paul was like, no, you don't, I just came back from Mexico, and I wanted to be like, Paul... You don't go to Mexico. Goes to Mexico once, <laughs> is an expert in Mexican baking. Which brings That's up- how I want it. Well, I also feel like, I think you're right, though, that it's really more about looking at the technical aspects of the bake. And if they had stuck to that more so, it would have been like, 
all enriched yeasted doughs are kind of the same no matter who makes them. So we're, you know, like we're going to judge based on that, which I think they did a little bit, but it's hard to, right? Like who are they in the authority to say like this is or is not an authentic representation right. of this dish? Right. I would have loved to have seen a very famous chef from right. Mexico. Like a baker from Mexico. That would be cool. To do a guest host. If they would have done that, I think they would have been a little bit better. Yeah. I think that would be great. Maybe that's how they fix this in the future. But Paul being like, I just got back from Mexico. And I'm like, uh, what, you were at the Four Seasons and like, you know, were served some dishes and then all of a sudden you're, you're an expert? No, but I could be wrong. Maybe he's been there a bazillion times and he knows. Moving into the technical, a, like a thousand million people tag me this technical. And guys, first of all, I have to fess up to something. I did not make the panna raisins. I didn't have time to laminate and rise dough this week. And it mostly came down, this is a personal like tidbit of my story. Normally, we don't like talk about our lives that much on this podcast, but came down to the fact that I had a tattoo this week. This was to happen on Thursday, and then it got rescheduled to Saturday morning, and then it was going to happen Saturday afternoon, and it never happened because my tattoo artist is notorious for rescheduling. <laughs> so you just had so to, I just like you couldn't plan these, out your pans. I couldn't yeah. plan them out, and this it was a recipe that required quite a lot of rising time. But here, let me tell you this: I did do a lot of research on it. I have Paul Hollywood's cookbook. He has a Paul Hollywood, he has it's like Paul Hollywood Bakes or something. It's not a very original title. It came out this year. And so if you're interested in it, it actually is a pretty good cookbook. And he, you know, all things considered, is a very experienced baker and is pretty good at explaining things. I am always blown away when he can just look at something and be like, oh, that didn't have enough water in it. That was most of us, something goes wrong. And we're like, oh no, something went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> What happened? Like that's the end of my career. right. I mean, for him, even just last like, week, watch him watching people knead yeah. the pizza dough, and he's like, uh, exactly. So yes, I will give that to him for so sure. He he's, is like, I am fascinated by that that he can e- eat something and be like, this could have done with five more minutes of proving, and your oven could have been ten degrees less. Like that to me is an expert level of baking knowledge. So this book is really interesting, um, and it has a lot of just the, the recipes are actually pretty simple. And he, there are panna raisins are in there. First of all, guys, they're in the pastry section, not the bread section. I will be mm-hmm. irritated by this until the day I die. Probably yeah. not. I'm not going to take this grudge that far because it's just a baking show. But <laughs> I have been evangelizing this problem a lot this week that like I will maintain that that was not a bread technical. However, in his recipe in the cookbook, the pastry dough has to rest overnight twice. You make the pastry dough first. And then when the dough is done, you rest it overnight to get kind of like the first first little rise, but also because again, let me back up. I've tried making croissants before and it's a similar type of dough where you laminate, right? And I think it's very, very similar. I actually don't know the difference. What I don't understand, and if someone could explain this to me, I'd be very happy. When you have a yeasted pastry dough, you're supposed to let it rise, but right before you put it in the oven. You can do a cold rise, which is where you just put it in the fridge for like a day. And even though it's chilly, the yeast is still working slowly, 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 and it builds up. But a lot of people do a room temperature rise, which then only takes like an hour or two. But it goes against everything I feel like I know about working with butter and wanting something to be flaky, which is that when you put it in the oven, the butter is supposed to be cold because then the butter melts quickly and creates Mm -hmm. steam and that's what gives you puffiness. So if your butter is already room temperature because you have just been rising your dough, 
Where does the puffiness come from? Someone please answer this question for me. I am not at all being facetious about this. I don't understand. I would like to know because it would solve a lot of mysteries for me about pastry baking. All that to say that this dough in the written like non-technical bake world has two overnight rises. The first one when you make the dough the first time, and then you actually assemble the things. And then once they're assembled, you again, let them rise overnight and then bake them in the morning. That's how it's written. Ain't nobody got time for that. So I'm sorry, guys, I did not deliver this week. If you did, I thought about just using store-bought pastry dough, which I probably could have done. If you made these and you did all the rising, let me know how it went. But don't the bakers only have a certain amount of time when they're... Which is why I think they all had horrible results with butter dripping out everywhere. Because like, and I, so... The recipe online, because if I get all of these from the Bake Off website, the recipe online was more truncated. It was more like maybe it would have taken me four or four hours ish or so. But I was thinking, there's no way these are going to turn out in four hours. Having read the kind of quote unquote real recipe in the cookbook and realized the pace you're supposed to go at, I'm not surprised that nobody's worked out in like, you know, the however many hours that they were given because ultimately, pastry is not supposed to be done at that speed. And I was like, if I make these in four hours, I'm just going to, I know for a fact, they're just going to collapse and just be like puddles of melted butter. I did not make them. If you made them, I'm very proud of you. Please let us know how it went. If somebody can answer that question about the butter pastry dough rising and then the room temperature butter, please tell me. I really want to know. This like problem (laughs) has plagued me. This week's technical, which a million of you tagged me in, rightfully so, are tacos. Tacos, Which they pronounce taco. And I just... (laughs) Well, I know, yeah. I know tacos. <laughs> so I'm just going to cut joy off of the past. Like <laughs> <sighs> this one, they're going to make eight Mexican tacos with hand pressed tortillas with steak, beans, guacamole, and pico de gallo. So really like the, the technical baking thing here is a tortilla, which I think is a cool challenge. I think, you know, if you have to think of a singular recipe, singular singular recipe that represents Mexico or a singular food, a tortilla is like something you're going to find throughout the country, throughout Mexico's history. It is very simple, but if you've never made it before, this could be a really interesting challenge. That being said, Joy, we were texting about this a little bit beforehand, and I totally agree with you when you said like, it feels like they judge more for the flavors, and it's like, you guys aren't taco experts. but Not even close. So- yeah, this and is also, not as, like, I would like yeah. I would I I would venture to say that you know you can put anything you freaking want in a taco, and yeah. so there's no such thing as like a a taco standard in my opinion. This is the national taco, you know, whatever. I so I think that they get a little harsh with the toppings and sort of like guys, th- these people should not be judged based on like whether or not they can marinate and cook some steak. You're supposed to be right. focusing only on the tortillas, in my opinion, if this is a big yeah. show. I also have a note that when they're trying out the ta- like when they're doing the taco. You know, Tasting, judging, like when they're sitting there at the beginning and like describing what they're looking for. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I my note is: Has Prue ever eaten a taco before? Like she looks so unsure. My favorite thing is when somebody has a taco that's too big, and they approach it. You can imagine it's like you're transported back to like the first your first kiss, and you like don't know how to approach it. And you're like, do I turn my head to the side? Do I just like go in straight? Like what do I do? <laughs> and that is my like the exact. Thing that I imagine when she was like trying to approach the taco, I was like, she just couldn't quite decide how to go. Yeah, it. she couldn't decide which way to couldn't go, which angle. She had to go in for the kiss. <laughs> People are doing decent, but are generally confused about Mexican ingredients. Again, if you're not familiar with Mexican cooking, that's where this challenge did kind of get under my skin because it's like there's not a lot of baking knowledge to be found here. You're mm-hmm. kind of judging people on their knowledge of Mexican ingredients. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously just not there for most people. Mm-hmm. Overall, it's a mixed bag. People, generally speaking, f- seem to have a pretty good instinct of how long to cook them. Nobody like goes completely rogue. 
but they are a wide variety of sizes, a wide variety of thicknesses. Some of them are too salty. In last place, I'm not going to go through every single one, but in last place is Carol. They're way too thick. They're tiny. They also say she has too much chili and the meat is too big. But again, I think their critiques about the fillings are like... In ninth place is Reb. What's the word they always use? Hmm. It's... What's the word we learned a couple years ago for like a faff? Faff? <laughs> Maybe it's a faff. They're judging is just... No, I don't think I'm using that right. No. A faff... <laughs> a good effort though we should, we should but it's okay because they got a lot of things wrong in this yeah. episode so i get to use faff however the hell i want no all right Rebs is in second from last they're too full too thick very small and her tortilla is too salty which again i think that's a, like legit critique i will also say though i like a salty tortilla so i might have liked Rebs's. shabira okay now we're gonna skip all the way to the top shabira comes in second balanced flavors the tortillas are overcooked a little but she does well and then in first place is maxi whose are thin they have a good filling she does great. They really don't have a lot to say about hers. It's just like mm-hmm. they, they look good. I would like to say I wish everybody could pronounce pico de gallo. Yeah, that and was tough. Don says guacamole very No, Carol. Just, guacamole. Oh, Carol. <laughs> I was like, oh my But again, God. I have yeah, to also know, say that like I know but someone this one on per- staff. This one in particular. Tell though, them. I would challenge the two of us, maybe, but also I feel like this got under your skin a lot more than I did. Specifically in the technical, they're always doing this. They're always going around the room and like interviewing people, butchering the name of the thing. And never before have we said like, "Is that insensitive?" Maybe, especially like with yeah. French words. Like, I think about feel like last week with the with the torta, whatever the yeah. And they were going around and like everyone was making fun of how they couldn't say it, and we weren't like, "That's insensitive to Swedish people." I know. I there's something that feels though like when it's a European show. It's a little bit closer to home and they are more familiar versus a country themed show where they, I don't know, with the political climate of a lot of things going on. Uh, anyway, maybe I, I I am definitely more sensitive to it. So that's fair. It's fair. So the these are the sorts of moments where I'm like, I don't fault someone for not being able to pronounce Pico de Gaia, for not having like a baseline understanding of the Spanish language in the same way that if I, I don't have a baseline understanding French or of German or, you know, it took me half of the first episode to be able to pronounce Yanush. Like, that's fair. Yeah. It just, I know. There's something I know. that hits different. Okay. Okay. This episode's okay. hitting different okay. for you. Yes. I see that. All right. Moving on. So coming out of the technical, Maxi is like leading the charge for sure. Yeah. Shabira's flavors are saving her, I think. But otherwise, I think she's kind of like kind of moving towards the bottom. We still have Rebs way at the bottom. I think Carol is, is really getting herself down there still as well. The showstopper. Um, here's my note again. I maintain the technical should have been Choco Flan. If you've never had Choco Flan, please look it up. The showstopper is a tres leches cake with four layers of milk-soaked sponge. It must be moist, but not soggy. I actually think I love that they did a tres leches cake. It is, again, like a very common Mexican baking I thought it was creative, the ways that they kind of mix it up. And then I think, again, here you can maybe get into the territory of like, if you're trying to showcase a specific culture, but then you are putting so many flavors into it that it's like so different. Is that still a Trace Leches cake? This was an interesting technical because it is supposed to be really, really, really soaked. And almost to the point of when you eat it, that it's like bordering on almost custardy. So to think about Doing those in a tier, um, I thought was a really interesting. I'm surprised how well they worked out, honestly. So let's go through these guys. First up is Sandro. He is making a fiesta theme with a mustache. <laughs> oh God. I just it's all wrong. It's all wrong. I, it's like an 80s, 80s like splash splatter like paint. A splatter with a mustache on it. I'm like, 
stereotypes this just looks like something this that yeah. you would have made at like one of those Okay, first of all, let me say that I think the splatter technique was really cool and very unique. Yeah, it was cool. It looks, yeah. it came across as something that you would have made at like a sip and paint in like 2015. Yes, for sure. <laughs> when for mustaches sure. were like really cool. Right. But in a good way. I liked the splattering. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. So it's going to be chili chocolate coffee sponge with Irish cream soak and a spiced chocolate sponge with coffee and cherry brandy soak. It looks great. The splatter paint is amazing. It's leaning a bit. But they say the flavors are too strong all around. The bottom layer, the bottom layer is great, but the top layer is like way overwhelming. Too much cherry, too much brandy, too much coffee, too much going on. Which is interesting, and I, a lot of people get that feedback in this in this showstopper because they want they're like we want really strong flavors, and a lot of people were like, okay, you want strong flavors, I'm gonna give you strong flavors, and they're like, well, not but not like strong flavors. This is too strong. <laughs> not that strong. Not that strong. Maxi is making a cocoa flower fiesta. Chocolate filled with strawberries and cinnamon vanilla cream decorated with flowers. It looks great. It's colorful. It's well-balanced. For her, they really don't say much. They're just sort of like, yeah, looks good. Thank you. Bye. Great. Good job, Maxi. No news is good news. Abdul is doing Day of the Dead, which I thought that was a cool theme. I definitely would have picked that. Mm -hmm. With white chocolate skulls, passion fruit, and coconut tres leches with lime curd filling. The cake is wonky, but looks good. The layers are even and evenly soaked. The flavors are great. He does well, which is good because he really needed a win. Shabira is, here comes the corn again. Sweet corn sponge. She's putting sweet corn, like actual kernels of sweet corn in her cake. And Paul says, why would you do that? Which is not the feedback that you want. Maybe at some point, at that point, if he walks up and says, why would you do that? You think, what? What are you talking about? I wasn't going to do that. I was just joking. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not I'm just like, maybe you just like push the corn off your bench like a cat. Just pretend it was never your plan. <laughs> You never saw this. Just kidding. You never saw this. But no, she forges ahead. Um, it is going to be a cream corn and cinnamon cream cheese filling with Swiss meringue and to decorate, and she's going to decorate it with buttercream flowers. The decoration is amazing. Her decor, her decorating skills are so good. Really I good. think if and when Shabira goes out, though, it will be because she is stuck to the corn. <laughs> is she's like she's not six, able to stick she, to? Yeah, the she doesn't. She can't pivot to quickly she gets stuck on something and she's like i'm doing this and it's i think like the whole too complicated stuff too complicated i feel like she's fairly good at sort of improvising if something goes wrong but i think it's that like she she goes very hard with very non-intuitive flavors that where she's always pushing the envelope with flavor and i think that that when it works for her it really works for her and when it doesn't work for her, sometimes you're like, could you just have done like a vanilla? Because her presentation is always so good. Yes. And then she comes in with like occasionally these flavors that just don't work out that well. And if she had stuck right. to something more basic, then she would something have nailed basic. it. But yeah. then she tries something with like a really unique different flavor, like her um, savory macarons. And you're like, you didn't have to go there. And now yeah. you're kind of yeah. like falling Which to the bottom of the from pile. the get-go. Or yes. like she's going to kind of go out for that reason. Right. The decoration is amazing. Layers aren't soaked all the way through, which she like – freaks out about she's very stressed but it tastes so good her flavors are there it does taste like sweet corn it's not for me says paul but it's original i think she does well even though she's so stressed i think she did she pulled it off rebs is making a tiramisu tres leches wedding cake coffee tres leches soak with chili chocolate ganache they say it looks rustic which is not the feedback you want <laughs> uh it's leaking and leaning it's too boozy it's too much chili they're physically coughing while they're yeah trying it yeah like almost gagging. So Rebs is, to no one's surprise, doing very badly. Yeah. Poor Rebs. Kevin is making a pyramid temple with coffee, milk, tres leches, soak with hazelnut cream and chocolate chili ganache. The icing is a little messy, but it's a great design, great flavor, good kick. 
Paul doesn't like the texture though because it has flour lumps. So that's a big red flag. You got to mix your your batter. Yeah, there, he like Kevin. pulls out a piece from the What's bottom like, and he chunkies. holds it up and he's like, "What is this?" And he's like, "Uh, it's my cake." And he's like, "No, no, no. This is a lump of flour." So, that's like on par almost with using salt instead of sugar. Like that is a basic oh, thing that yes. you cannot show up to. Right. And the showstopper. It's almost like when something's raw. Right. And they like eat it and they're like, oh, that's raw. Oh, that's raw. Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> Drama. Carol is making one with chocolate liqueur, lime, and orange buttercream with chocolate hazelnut ganache and chocolate work on top. It's great decoration. They love the colors. It's not soaked enough. The chili is a little too strong. Prue says it's well made, but the flavors are too strong. Dawn is doing a tres leches, vanilla tres leches with coffee cream and shoe buns with amaretto creme pat. A reminder for everyone that creme pat is just a fancy word for custard. Uh, and those are going to go in the shoe buns. So basically, we're talking about cream puffs here. It looks nice. It's simple. The inside is amazing. Prue loves it. She says, that flavor is heaven. And then Paul does this thing that I hate where he does like flirty eyes with someone. Oh, he does the flirty eyes. When he yes. like, can't think and of anything just, wrong to say. And he's sitting there chewing and, and just, just staring, staring at her. At her. <laughs> yes. Like, because – and, and it's like, almost – Yes. Are you about to completely demolish me or are you about to give me a handshake? Right. He does neither. <laughs> but it's amazing. She does amazing. Which I was really happy for her. I was really happy for Don. I felt so me bad too. for her last week. I know. I was just like, Don needs a little bit of a win to mm-hmm. boost her confidence because I really like this her. This is a win for sure for her. Yanush is doing a fruity horchata with guava and coconut milk. Mango so cream and dragon fruit and passion fruit curd. It looks great. His decoration skills are amazing. And Very I feel well, like yes. they don't come – like I kind of forget that about him. And then every time the show starts, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so freaking cute. So good. Like remember his mask? It was like this Picasso mask. Oh, so good. So good. Yes. Um, It looks great. It looks modern. It's neat. The cake though is too dense and too dry. It needs more soak. But the guava and passion fruit is tasty. His flavors really save him here. James, last but not least – He's making a lemon and lime sponge with vanilla soak, dolce de leche, lime curd, and chili chocolate filling topped with chocolate crinkle cookies and strawberries. He tried too much. Kind of this whole challenge, they're saying like, we're worried he's doing too much. Are you sure you're not doing too much? Are you doing too much? You're doing too much. It's untidy. The texture the texture is great. Good flavor. The top sponge, though, is a little too tough. He does okay. It's a real mixed bag of, of mm-hmm. feedback mm-hmm. here. Of feedback. People in general in this one all did struggle with the assembly. You're working with three very heavy layers of cake. I'm surprised things didn't go worse than they did. Some people, all they like, really the worst thing that happened is some of them leaked, but I was expecting like crumbling down the side to happen. So I'm really impressed that that didn't happen. I also love how some bakers are like at the end, they're like, I can't believe I have to present this. And it's like this amazing work of art. And other people are like, yeah, that'll work. And it's like just a (laughs) lump of crap. (laughs) I was watching this episode with my brother too. And he was like, I'm sure it all tastes great. Like if we did like what we were saying, if we had just normal people judging, uh, be like, this actually tastes delicious. I can't imagine getting something and being like, "Mm, this cake's a little underdone. I'd be like, I will eat. I'm sorry. I ate it too fast to know what was going on. (laughs) But do you think (laughs) it's gone? But do you think they set up this challenge in a way that would be successful for a delicious cake? Because if there is so much density, like I don't think I've seen tears of a delicious cake. Yeah, I'm not sure if I ever have either. And right, like were they able to Like is that a realistic ask? I don't know. Like this? I don't know because I don't I don't feel like I know I know the types of delicious cake that I've had, which are really almost custardy and and like served in a way that it's like in a bowl. Like you're expecting it to eat it almost sort of yeah, like a 
Like, right. It's not meant to hold up like a right. like a slice of cake. Yeah. Or like a tiered cake. So I don't mm-hmm. know. That I however I'm sure that I have never have not experienced the full range of what a translation cake can be. And so in my mind, it is something that is so soaked that you would never be able to put it in a tier, but I'm who's to say that that's just one type that I've had. So I don't know. While they are at the end discussing the judging, we're reminded they could get rid of two today. I had forgotten about that. I certainly did not forget that. I was ready. I was like, they need to just get, just like, let's cut to the chase here. So who did you think was going home? For sure, Rebs. I thought maybe Kevin or James. Okay. I was thinking Rebs and Carol. I thought Carol was down there today. And I obviously for sure thought Maxie was getting Starbaker. Yeah, Maxie really brought it this week. Mm-hmm. So Starbaker is in fact Maxie and Rebs goes home and then James goes home. I was surprised yeah. by James. I felt like he had some negative feedback, but wasn't like way at the bottom of the pile. But the question that I had at the end of this was Rebs was like devastated. I'm like, how devastated? Where I'm like, coming? did you not see this coming? I'm surprised. I mean, this is, I, we've been very mean to Rebs. I'm sure she's a great person, but like, <laughs> I know. she should have gone home week one. And now here week she is. Week one, I know. Week, what, four, three, four, four? Yeah. And yeah. She's like, oh, I can't believe she's sobbing. She can't believe it. I'm like, you can't believe it. Look around the room. Well, also- yeah. And then maybe she's real emotional because she just had a sick week. So she's she wasn't feeling great. And she's just very, she was trying so hard to stay in the game. She was trying really hard. She was trying really she hard. She just couldn't. She wrote down a whole timeline. Know, and it still didn't work But I'm like, it still didn't work. And those are the ones, sometimes people go home and you feel really bad because you're like, oh, they've been doing so well and this one week just didn't work out and they judge it based on that one week. But she was hanging on by a thread. But this whole time for her, every week I've been like, it could be Rebs going home. It could be Rebs going home. Yeah, going we've home. been saying that for the past three weeks. Yeah, we really have. And so now to remind everyone, we have, we've been here for four weeks. Yanish has been Starbaker twice and Maxi has been Starbaker twice. Mm-hmm. I would also like to remind us that we did not have Maxi in our finalists. We did not. We did not. I would not. like to edit and that for sure. She's really up there. Yeah. Yanush. Sandro was my top two. Mm-hmm. I had Don in the mix, which I still love Don. I, I have like a special place in my heart I for really Don. Do and too. then I'm throwing Maxi in top three. For sure. For sure. Yanush, sure. Sandro, Maxi is my top three. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Thank you for hanging with us for another week of On Your Marks Gets at Bake. You can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. You can go to our website, joyandclaire.com. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Join us next week as I talk about making tacos and tortillas, which I am pretty excited about. This is the first technical of the season where I'm like, oh, I could eat, I'm going to eat this. Yeah. You're like, my family's going to love taco night. night. Yeah. Um, and I feel like making tortillas is going to be really fun. This was also the first technical where I was like, I would have nailed this. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. Thank you for hanging there with us as we process some some Mexican cultural appropriation. I also would like to acknowledge that we do not have any more authority than anyone else to talk about Mexican cultural appropriation. So maybe we should acknowledge that at the beginning. It is interesting now to go back and think about some of the other cultural recipes. We love talking to you guys about this every week. Can't wait for next week. I have not seen what next week is. Sometimes they do like a little, we have to unfollow. We unfollow Bake Off the Bake Off Instagram during the season because there's you can act easily accidentally see spoilers. And so they talk about it, I think, on their, challenge, on their channel, like, okay, coming up next week. And we don't see that because we specifically avoid it. But can't wait for next week. We're almost halfway through. Next week yeah, will be halfway crazy. through. Goes by next fast. week will be halfway through. Tag us in your recipes. We love to see it. Share us with a friend. And we might even do 
Maybe we'll do a backstage where you can. If you guys want to wake up at the butt crack of dawn and. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends. Maybe you're on the East Coast and you're That's like, true. this Maybe is fine you're a for person me. Like Troy. And we will possibly post future episode participation where you would just comment. There's no video, there's no audio. We cannot see or hear you, but you can comment while we're recording. And that might be a fun little thing yeah. for you. Chime in and uh, join the com- join the conversation. Join the combo. This important conversation. Yeah. All right, guys. Until then. On your marks. You're set. Bake. We're never going to get it together. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>